I said I had weird dreams last night, and some of them were funny books related. I've never had a funny books dream before. So was it uh, was it me? Was it Paul? Was it Tim? Was it all three of us at once? What was it? <laughs> all three of us. Well, you were at my house in the dream, Aaron. Oh, oh Aaron, good good job, Aaron. <laughs> I made the cut, and that's where the story ends. Hi, Aaron. This is Ken Coy from Domain Name Sales. I'm calling regarding to your previous inquiry on funnybooks.com. When you get a chance, can you give me a call back at 949-371-8186? Thank you. Aaron, Paul, and do lesser extent, Wayne. This is Tim. I'm not, I'm not going to be on the podcast today. Um, I'm calling in sick charm. Um, I really had a lot of alcohol today. Besides that, besides that point, there wasn't any goddamn comics to read. So you guys can fap away for another hour and a half talking about comics and stuff. But I'm not going to be there. So I just wanted you to know, I miss you guys, and I'll see you later. Sick. <coughs> Bye. This is Wayne. You know, guys, I'm just not convinced that Tim is really sick. I don't buy it. I'm listening to that voicemail, and there's something about that that sounds more like drunk Tim than sick Tim. That's all I'm saying. I think that I think that Tim probably hit the Zimas pretty hard, and he's having a little hard time shaking it off. Aaron, I don't, I don't know, because drunk Tim wouldn't have referred to me as to a lesser degree. Drunk Tim would be telling us all how much he loves us. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure how often you've been around Tim when he's drunk, but he doesn't turn into lovable Tim. He no. Just, he just becomes more Tim. He's just he Tim becomes squared. more hateful. Yeah, he's Tim squared. <laughs> he's anti-Semitic, racist, <laughs> chauvinist, everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything you love about Tim distilled into just, just a, 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 a pile of hate. That's what it is. <laughs> a warm, loving pile of hatred. <laughs> we love you, Tim. Feel Aww. better soon. <laughs> Soon-ish. And we're, we're marking this as an unexcused absence, right, Paul? Yeah. Okay. UTO. Okay. All right. Unscheduled time off, Tim. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Tim. So, how you boys doing? I'm glad that y'all were able to to shake off your Zima drunks and, and, and come in this morning. Do they even still make Zima? Well, I think that, uh, you know, Tim cornered the market when they discontinued Zima. Ah, smart. He's he's got just like case after case after case. And since he can get drunk on one, you know. (laughs) They last a long time. (laughs) Because, you know. I don't think I've seen a Zima since the 90s. And it was uh, all of my friends that drank them would uh, get Jolly Ranchers and drop them in the bottom and, like, let it flavor the Zima. (laughs) 
It uh, sounds it like your friends were douchebags. Just saying. Or, or teenage <laughs> girls. <laughs> well, you said 90s, so that would be about right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We teased him because we loved him. Mostly. You loved him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul. Yes, sir. Some TV this week. Yes. And, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I watched the second half of uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. And, and uh, I've I, only seen the first full episode. I've not seen the second full episode, but it's okay. Let's uh, you can spoil it. I, I'm going to spoil it a little bit for you. So well, I finally saw the rest of the first full episode. Yay for I, you, Wayne! <laughs> if you remember my cable cut out, so I missed a whole batch of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we re- we found a replay and I recorded it, so I saw the rest of it finally. Well, I you know the complaints that I had about the first episode I think are still true. Um, I think that it's a two part pilot, and I just I think that it was written rather weakly. I think that there are you know if you're writing a time travel story, uh, you, you really got to have a, a sharper script than what they had. But you know I can I can you know forgive a lot in the pilot. It did do the one thing that I felt like it had to do. I felt like it had to kill off a character to show the stakes. And it did, and so I was uh, I was uh, pleasantly satisfied with that. And, and they did they did the thing that I felt like they should do. Now I just need it to get to become a smarter show. I need it to be as well written as Arrow and The Flash, uh, and I need them to think a little outside the box and not so linearly in the way they tell the stories. But uh, I think it's got some promise. Uh, I just I I, I I the writing really needs to pick up. How many episodes is it, this? Uh... It's going to have 16 this season is what I heard. I listened to an wow. inter- interview with Brandon Routh, and they're going to have 16 episodes, which means that uh sounds to me like they'll probably just run all the way through, so there shouldn't be any breaks. You know, I um, that concerns me a bit. I I think Legends of Tomorrow is kind of best suited for a 6 to 12 episode run. Right. It just seems like, because if I get 16 episodes of them chasing Vandal Savage, I don't know that I need that. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of shocked to hear it's so many. Because I also wonder, are they even going to be able to deal with Savage, really? Or is he going to be the continual every-season villain? I would really like to see them resolve Vandal Savage this season. Uh, yes. And move on to a new big bad. You know, and maybe things that they screwed up in the timeline are things that they have to address later on, you know. Yeah. I will say that, <clears throat> you remember how in uh, uh, Back to the Future part two or maybe yeah it's all three of them and back to the future every time uh something happened in the time stream uh you know marty could look at a picture and the person would start to fade out of the picture yeah that kind of happens in this i'm like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) that's not how it would happen (laughs) that is not how it would happen me applying logic to time travel but uh you know because there's there's a there's a part in the episode where they, they they change their own history and I sure would have liked to have seen them, you know, I, I think a, a neat way to do that. And, you sh- and that really could have been built in. They could have added an extra character into the pilot and just they change something in, in, in time and they turn around and that person's not there anymore. They have no recollection of that person. You know, I, I think that would have been really cool. You know, you bring in, you know, Squirrel Girl. I know that's Marvel, but I was just thinking about a disposable <laughs> character. You bring in Squirrel Girl and they're like, oh, my God, you just shot your great grandfather. They turn around and they're like feels like someone was here. <laughs> I think that could have been fun. But uh, you know, that would have been awesome, too. If it would have been like a character like uh, Blue Beetle, for example. Right. 
if they would have had like Ted Cord Blue Beetle and then wiped him out. Yeah, I mean just something like that where you know you build this character in you in the first part in the first pilot or the first part part one of the pilot you get the you get the, the the audience to love them you know they're comic relief they're enjoyable you know and then in the in the second part you know that and i mean it's kind you remember um in buffy when all of a sudden she had a sister yeah and you know you spend a couple of episodes going are we just supposed to forget that she never had a sister before is this one of those tv things where we add a character and you know we're just all supposed to accept it and then you realize it's part of the story it's this is kind of the reverse of that you know and i just thought that would have been fun and now if they do it you'll you'll be able to identify it because you know special guest star but i think it could have been fun in the setup and then you could have had an episode on down the line where they you know they're talking to the time masters and the time masters are like well you know you forgot squirrel girl (laughs) (laughs) yeah who (laughs) <laughs> I'm uh, I'm surprised that Wayne hasn't stabbed you for referring to Squirrel Girl as a disposable character. <laughs> Why? I don't care about Squirrel Girl. <laughs> you never know with you, Wayne. You never know. <laughs> so did either of y'all catch Arrow this week? No, I haven't. Okay, well, all I gotta say, I'm not, I'm not gonna say anything else about this episode. But Goth Fel- Felicity is kind of hot. Just saying. okay. Okay, just saying. I do like Goth Felicity. Yeah, Goth Felicity. Like every fun. Felicity is kind of hot. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But <laughs> either of y'all watched the X Files this week? Yes, I've seen both episodes now. Okay, I've only seen the first. No, one. I've only seen. The I watched first one. no TV this week. But uh, I got. I don't know if the second part, uh, which they aired, I guess on Monday, um, is an improvement over the first part. But the first part seemed like it seemed so crammed together. And so much happens in each act of that episode. It almost seemed like a previously on the X Files. You know, I mean, it just yeah. it it was so compressed. Um, and I, I mean, well, I, I like how stuff moves, but you didn't have any opportunity. It depends so much on you knowing nine seasons of the X Files. You know. Yeah. Well, and I'm, so I have a. I didn't care for it. Yeah. I didn't care for either episode. Okay. I will say. Um, uh, the second episode I, I read, you know, because the second episode begins and they're like already working for the FBI, right. investigating cases. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened? And I found out it's because they aired the they are airing the episodes out of order. Oh, God. Why does Fox uh, do that? So they originally that with, with a, a Firefly. Why would they exactly. do that? Learn from I don't know. I, I think they felt that the pacing um, like th- this second episode was originally the fifth episode. Oh, and I think shit. they felt like. um they would. It, it was more of a mythology episode, so I think they felt that let's continue a myth, with a mythology episode instead of going mythology on Sunday and then one off on Tuesday or God, Monday. They're, they're only doing six episodes. It's surprising that they have that kind of fluff built in. Yeah, you know, I agree. I might knowing that that they're doing that yet again. I mean, they did it to Futurama. They did it to Firefly. They've constantly done it in screwed up shows. So I think I may let all six of them record. And then look online and see the order that they were intended yeah. to come out mm-hmm. and watch them in that order. Um, I will say, you know, Aaron, I felt the first episode like you was just it moved at a breakneck pace that yeah. that and on top of it, it was it, like it were, retconned so much that didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, and it was like you were watching, you know, Cliff's Notes, right? It yeah. seemed like I mean, Fox has Mulder uh, has always been in this place right about mm-hmm. his you know wanting to believe and you know seeing conspiracies and he just walks away from all of these deeply held beliefs with no almost no evidence to support it 
before yeah. before he's ever presented with evidence that you know Scully provides him that does support it, right? Yeah. He, I mean, he just and you know he's been apparently he's been depressed and you know it has ruined his relationship with Scully. You know they're no longer together. Um, it, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, come on. I mean, there you, you've you've provided no credibility to your story or your character just based on. You know how quickly he's changed course. I just yeah. Now here's the sad thing. I loved the cast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean the funny thing is, it feels like like watching that episode. It honestly feels like I just missed a couple of episodes and we're still going. The actors look the same. The show feels the exact same. Yeah, we should uh, just all, with a, a little bit more of a budget. We should all age as well as uh, Gillian Anderson and uh, David Duchovny because holy yeah. crap! I mean. Really, it almost looks like there's been no time has passed. Yeah. Except somehow, mysteriously, Gillian Anderson is hotter. I don't understand <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I enjoyed uh, the actress who played the the woman the the woman abductee. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she has I don't I know you don't watch this, but she's been in The Americans, and I really like that mm-hmm. actress. And then I forget his name all of a sudden, but the fellow who was in Community, I liked him. I mean, it was really a strong cast. You know, both in guest stars as well as, you know, our main stars. But man, the, I mean, it felt like they crammed in two hours worth of story into 45 minutes. Yeah. So, but, you know, but it still felt, I don't know, it, the, it, the, the second episode is a little better, not much better. Yeah. That's, that's upsetting. But, I mean, it's, I'm going to give it the six episodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to watch all of it. But, I, you know, like Wayne, I might wait till they're all on my DVR and then watch them in the order that they were written. Um, wow. That's disappointing. That's disappointing. Yeah. Because, you know, if yeah. this does well, Fox has said they'd do a second season. Yeah. And when I think it, they I mean, it learned their lesson. Really I mean, they've hurt so many shows by doing this. Yeah. But they don't ever learn. Hmm. Well,. In other TV news, let's talk about um, some interesting news that was announced this week, which is that Cartoon Network has confirmed a new Justice League animated series coming to te- television. When's it coming? Um, they did not, to my knowledge, announce the official date. Um, they just announced that one is coming, probably later this year, I'd imagine. Did they say um, which network? <clears throat> Cartoon Network. Okay. Um, it will see Kevin Conroy return as Batman, and Mark Hamill will be coming back as the Joker, which is... Wow, that's surprising. It is surprising, because yeah. he kept talking about how much he was going to... Uh, to um, not do that anymore? Retire. Yeah, to <laughs> yeah. not do any more Joker. Yeah. I, I am so, so much had, not going to do that anymore. <laughs> when I had read that, I got so excited and so hopeful. And then I saw the art, and I read that they're trying to make this like Teen Titans Go... Yeah, so that's a concern. Oh, well, yeah. finishing the uh, the voice cast that has been announced anyway, you've got James Woods as Lex Luthor and Diedrich Bader as Booster Gold. Um, I love Diedrich Bader, and I, I actually I really love Diedrich Bader as Batman. Prefer Kevin Conroy, but I loved him as yeah. Batman and Brave and the Bold. Um, so I mean, we've got some regular talent: uh, Sam Register, Alan Burnett, Book Luchik, um, and Jim Krieg. These guys are have been with the DC properties for since Batman the Animated Series or and Justice League. So um, same pedigree. But uh, to Wayne's point, they're going with a format of two 11 minute shorts as opposed to one 24 minute story, mm. and that concerns me. Yeah, and the art and, looks horrible. <laughs> Uh, is and everyone Aaron okay? Just died. Is everyone okay? Yeah. What happened? 
Wayne, what did you do? Wayne, what? Wayne, are you safe? Is there someone there with you? There's a cat here with me. Oh, okay. It's DJ Kitty. <laughs> DJ Kitty, everybody. It, it actually is DJ Kitty. <laughs> he, he's setting up his, uh, his system. <laughs> <laughs> he's about to scratch one out for us. <laughs> that sounds bad. Wow. Um, but back to the Justice League cartoon. This looks horrible. Looking at the art, they are going way too kitty on this. I don't think there's going to be anything that we can enjoy out of it because it's going to be just like Teen Titans Go, and that show is abominable. I don't know. I mean, I don't like Teen Titans Go, obviously, well, but not, I'm, I'm, I'm willing us. to give this a shot. Yeah, exactly. Te- yeah, Teen Titans Go isn't for us, and this may not be for us either. It just disappoints me that they've got all the talent we love uh, on the voice actors, and maybe it's not going to be a show that, we, that, that we're going to enjoy. So that's too bad. But, you know, maybe we'll enjoy some Justice League versus the Teen Titans. Yeah, that yeah, well, I am Probably not. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Probably not, because we didn't enjoy Justice League War or Justice League Throne of Atlantis. Um, but the third no, movie in the season. We loved uh, Justice League uh, Gods and Monsters. Yeah, True. Dif- different guys, though. True. Yeah, this is continuing in the, the same format and so- series as the, the Justice League New 52 uh, movies that we've been getting. And so Justice League versus Teen Titans, uh, um, they announced it's coming out in April, which is kind of surprising because the new Batman animated film, Batman Bad Blood, comes out next week. So there, there's not a lot of uh, I'm really time looking, in between these two films. I'm rather looking forward to Bad Blood. Me too. That's yeah. pretty cool. I'm the Batman to films Bad have Blood. good. Yeah, particularly the the run with Robin, uh, you know the the you know son of Batman, etc. Have been really good. So yeah, yeah. how is Batman versus Robin? Because I have it rented and it's in the living room, but I haven't watched it. I really enjoyed it. I, I really liked it better than the son of Batman. Yeah, I did too. I hmm. did too. I thought it was a strong improvement over the, the no. prior one. No, I'm so really looking forward third. to Bat Blood because it looks good. But I watched the preview for uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans and. I gotta say, I thought it looked good. I do too. I do too. Absolutely. I'm just concerned because the Justice League films have not been good. The Batman films have been good, but this does seem to kind of tie it together because you've got um, Damian Wayne and the Just and the uh, Teen Titans versus an evil, like possessed version of the Justice League. Huh. Okay. All right. We'll give it a shot. So yeah. yeah so that, uh, I, are, are you going to have watched uh, Bad Blood next week, Paul? Yeah, I'll have watched it by next week. Okay, good deal. Me too. And it's already available digitally, so if you don't purchase your movies uh, you know, physically, uh, it's already available on iTunes and, and that kind of digital format. Very For the DC films, I usually buy them now. I do too. And you can get them with the digital code, so you can get the best of both worlds. Exactly. <clears throat> well, let's talk a little bit, since we're talking about cartoons and we're talking about DC, let's talk about DC's new, newly announced um, Hanna-Barbera reboot. Now, Paul? Yes, sir. This is not a licensing gig for DC. Warner's owns Hanna-Barbera, right? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, confusion about that. And I won't say confusion. There's a lot of people who are um, who are saying, why is DC putting so much into these licensed properties? DC got the Hanna-Barbera license. DC didn't get shit. Warner <laughs> Brothers owns everything. It's kind of what I thought. So, <laughs> so, um, so that is correct. So, you know, we saw this week some images of what uh, DC Comics plans to do with some of these properties in the pages of their comics. Um, and I think, you know, probably the, 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 the biggest reveal was Jim Lee's take on Scooby-Doo, which is kind of hot. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it, it's kind of wild. Describe it, Paul. 
So I, I like it actually. So you've got a you've got a bit of it's called Scooby Doo Apocalypse, I think. And uh, though no official story details have been revealed, it is very much a modern day Scooby Doo in that. Um, so Daphne looks kind of like Caitlin from Gen Thirteen because right. that's how Jim Lee draws women. Well, it's how he draws um, redheads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Fred. Fred, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he's got like an arm tattoo and, and he's kind of like buff guy, but they, they're both holding like ghost busting equipment. Yes. Scooby-Doo has like a Google glass on, um, Velma is a, a, either a midget or a child. Um, and then you have hipster Shaggy with like a, a beard tattoos all up and down his arms and uh, a mustache. And I can't lie. I'm, I, I like it. I think it. I think the the cover image that we saw this week looks really good. I just have one complaint about it. I think that he missed it on Velma. You know. Yes, I, he should have gone hot Velma. Yeah, I, I I think you know Velma has emerged you know over the last however many years as you know really kind of the breakout uh, geek girl star. Uh, and I just I feel like she's <laughs> and I don't mean to make a joke about her height. She's minimized. Um, <laughs> and maybe that's just maybe that's just a nuance of the cover. Maybe the interior will be different. But you know, just based on what we've seen, I'm like that doesn't seem to me the the, the take to for that one. You know, well maybe she's going to be like Anna from uh, Spider Man. And maybe I mean, and and I would not have a problem with that. But you know, she just to your point, she looked like a child to me. Yeah, you know? I wish he had gone the uh, Felicity route with yes. her. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, but I, I and so I agree. I, I I saw her and I'm like, whoa, okay. That that she almost seems out of place with the rest of the characters. Yeah, yeah. No, she really but, did because the rest of the characters seem so heroic. Yeah, you know? but, but it I looks think, like fun. I'm certainly going to give it a shot when it comes out. I will not just because I'm not yeah. a Scooby Doo guy. But I'll be happy I've to hear what Scooby Doo guy. I will be happy to hear what you have to say. And you know, with it being a modern take on Scooby Doo, you know, one of the things that used to drive me crazy when I was a kid watching Scooby-Doo is that it was never a real ghost, right? It was always some guy in a costume or somebody with a lighting effect or something. So seeing them with Ghostbuster equipment, it kind of leads you to believe that maybe they'll actually be fighting real paranormal stuff. And if it's Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, you know, (laughs) I I mean, I'm kind of hoping for a Scooby-Thulu kind of thing. So, yeah, if that's the case, I might jump in. You know, but I think I'm going to wait and hear a, a first issue review before I do. Yeah, I'm hoping it's a post-apocalyptic world where the world's already ended and they're hunting the wastelands. But still, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I, uh, I'll I'll let Paul buy it and read it and then tell us something about it. But I don't know. Just the well, I remember enjoying a lot of these cartoons as a kid. Mm-hmm. Nothing really calls me back to I, the Hanna Barbera characters. I got to tell you what I I. I Paul and I talked about this earlier this week, and I mean, I just all practically squealed with excitement when I saw the artwork for Future Quest. Oh my uh, god, Doc Shainer. Yeah, featuring all the action heroes from Hanna-Barbera, including Johnny Quest, Space Ghost, Birdman. Uh, I mean, the humanoids. The humanoids. I think it's going to have Thundar in it. Um, yeah. I mean... All those guys. I mean, just dozens and dozens. It looks like a like an old uh, George Perez, you know, rap cover. I mean, it's just crazy. And then you're gonna throw Doc Shaner on the artwork and Jeff Parker on the writing. Fuck you, take my money now. I cannot wait to read this thing. So, so I'm not buying. I'm not buying any of these at launch. But the one that hit me with the most nostalgia was Wacky Raceland. 
Oh God! And that's the one I told Paul. I'm like, who the hell buys this book? And Paul, Paul's answer was Wayne. <laughs> oh no, I'm not buying any of these. But that's the one that hit me with the most nostalgia because I, I remember watching the uh, the cartoon when they would all every episode was the race. Ugh. You know, it's funny. I don't recall Wacky Raceland at all. Um, but. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to all of them except that because the other one is the Flintstones um, that has Amanda Connor, and uh, I love the Flintstones. But she's only doing the covers. Well, and so that's my question um, on these because it hasn't clarified. Who's are doing these the people? Interiors. Yeah. yeah, who's doing the interiors? Because if Scooby Apocalypse, if Jim Lee's just drawing the cover and doing the designs on the characters, but someone else is doing the actual book, then I'm less interested. Right. But yeah, I, I gathered that Shaner and Parker were were doing all a future quest. Yes, and That's, I agree. And I yeah. and I think the way they announced it, it does sound like Jim Lee is yeah. doing Scooby Doo. He's probably doing the first four. You know how, yeah, how exactly. Jim Lee is, and you know the 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 fourth book will be hopelessly delayed. But uh, that's what it sounded like to me. That's what it sounded like to me. I I got to tell you, I I hope that these books are wildly successful and they relaunch some of these shows with some of this styling. Because I gotta tell you, I'd love to see those Hanna Barbera action heroes and new stuff. I loves me some Johnny Quest. Yeah, what I like about those, um, the uh, the Johnny Quest stuff, uh-huh. is uh, you know the future Quest is that they don't look like they've redesigned the characters. Yeah, no, it it, it looks straight up homage, right? Yeah, which is gorgeous. When, and when it cracks like, me up that they show Johnny Quest and Taj was the other character, with right? Guns. With guns, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and not just. I mean, he Johnny Quest is full up center running with a with a handgun, you know, like yeah, like nine millimeter in his hand. I mean, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'm down for that. <laughs> I loves me some Johnny Quest. I mean, yeah, man, that's so that's such good stuff. Yeah, so very excited about this. Uh, I, I am actually very excited about this announcement. I, I loved the Hanna Barbera cartoons growing up. Um, you know, that that is my childhood right there. Oh yeah, Flintstones and. And so, uh, Scooby-Doo and, and Johnny Quest. Don't you think that the Flintstones reimagining will be porn, though? It'll be Flesh Tones. Meet the Flesh Tones. They're a <laughs> pornographic family. We you can know if it was, I'd be buying it. Because, <laughs> I mean, Wilma and Betty, that's some heat for you. I'm, Just, I'm, I'm, I'm game. <laughs> I, I'm sure that there is a Flintstones porn parody out there somewhere, Eric. Because there's a porn parody of everything. Oh, yeah, there absolutely is. I including mean, funny books with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> it, it's gay porn. <laughs> Fleshy books. And it's not actually a parody. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just our fee-paying member site. So Yeah, it's just fun bags with Aaron and Polly. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so something less horrible. Uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, without a doubt, my favorite comic book on the shelf right now is... Superman, Lois, and Clark, featuring the pre-New 52 Superman and Lois in the New 52 world. I love this series. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with her. This is one of my favorite books. It's one of the books I read right away when I, every time it comes out. And I like how they're playing with them, kind of comparing their world to this New 52 world. And all the ways that their world was better, because I tend to agree their world was better than the New 52 world. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed the first pages of this issue where, uh, you know, our Clark Kent and our Lois Lane are walking through the streets of the of New 52 Metropolis. And they're like, our city was cleaner. Our city had better technology. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just I, 
because I feel very much like that's not just my voice and Wayne's voice. I feel like that's also Dan Jurgens' voice. You know, I do too. I, I feel like Dan Jurgens is making a commentary about this new comic world. You know, and getting to do it through the voice of these characters, and I just I thought that was that was awesome. I I, I just I love this book. I, I love you know I love that uh, you know he has made himself a home in this world, and we're kind of getting to to see him tour the new Fifty Two behind the scenes. I tell you what, I'm really concerned about is when he's outed, and the rest of the new yeah. Fifty Two knows about him. I have the same concern. I I'm, I'm not looking forward to the crossover. Because I'm afraid of what it's going to do to this book. I like this, him being in the uh, the dark. And I liked in this issue seeing how he got that black suit. Yeah. Because it's not the kind of suit that he would just get for himself. Yeah. Well, and it, it explains the S. Because, I mean, the first thing I'm like, well, you know, if you're trying to stand to the radio, why in the hell would you have your big S shield on your chest? You know? But it, that's explained in the book. I, I just, I love this thing. I mean, I get I get so happy every time I, I, I read one of these. We've only had four issues. And I, I just I hope it's doing well. I have no idea how it's selling. I just hope. I it's get the impression well. it is doing very well. I, it, it seems like it really shows me the benefit of a firmly footed Superman character. Um, you know, and he is not yeah. as super in this series as he was in, in pre New Fifty Two, but he's still super. You know, I mean, he, you don't have yeah. to completely depower him to make him interesting. And Lois is a much more interesting character in here than the New 52 Lois. Oh, yeah. I, she is a character fighting the good fight in her own right and is a nice stand-up character. And I love their son, that he's starting to you know, realize that something's off, that his parents aren't telling him the whole truth. Right. No, it's good stuff. Uh, thoroughly entertaining. I, and the, uh, you know, the artwork serves the story beautifully. Um, I, like I said, I super enjoyed those pages of, of them just walking around Metropolis. It was a, a lot of fun. And I love that we're getting a, a different tank, different take on Hank Henshaw. You know, we, we had the, the, you know, cyborg Superman Hank Henshaw back in the day. And then even before then, you know, he was the failed scientist, uh, a la Reed Richards, um, who turns himself and his, uh, traveling companions into superpowered freaks. Um, and, you know, you, you have something different here with Hank Kinshaw, and he's being used as a puppet by this other bad guy. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I am I am totally down for this. And, you know, one of the things I think works really well for this for this book, it's a monthly book. You don't get it, you know, every other week. There's not multiple titles featuring pre-52, pre pre-New 52 Superman. You know, it's just this one book. I think there's something to be said for that in this world where, you know, when you have a success, you've got to have five titles with that character in it every month. Um, I, I, I dig it. I dig it. I just I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Big thumbs up. I, I just I want to see more of this, but on a monthly basis. Yeah. I mean, it just makes me so happy to see a Superman that I'm enjoying. Yeah. Well, I picked up The Adventures of Supergirl uh, digitally. It's a new digital first series from DC Comics, and it's based on the TV show. And uh, I hesitated. You know, in fact, I told Wayne earlier this week that I was going to buy it. And he's like, really? You're not watching the TV series? And and that's true. I'm not watching the TV series, but the book is written by Sterling Gates, who used to write pre-New 52 Supergirl. And I really liked his stuff when he was writing Supergirl. Um, I really enjoyed his Supergirl run. And so I thought, why the hell not? I'll give it a shot. I love Sterling Gates. And Wayne, I don't know about you, but I thought this was great. 
Wow, I thought it was horrible. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's it, half the book was uh, had to be used to for setup. Yeah. Because you know it was on, but the writing just felt so weak on this compared to the TV show, which I think has much better writing, has you know better characterization, more interplay. This just seemed like it seemed like a book meant for kids. See, for me, I I I have not seen the TV series. Um, you know, I've only seen a, a little bit of the first episode. But what I, I saw here was fun. It was a fun book. And yeah, I mean, there's that setup for anyone who hasn't seen the, the TV series. So I appreciated that. But I, I, I thought it was fun. I thought that I liked the character's voice. I'm like, oh, I wonder if the show is really like this. And it sounds like not. <laughs> so I, I will say, reading it, I noticed something I had never noticed on the show. I never noticed that the S-Shield didn't have the uh, the yellow behind it. I had to go out and uh, look at the character on the, like from the show too, to see if it still didn't have the yellow. Isn't that the? Same? I don't know why I never really noticed that. Isn't that the same as Henry Cavill? His uh, his shield doesn't have the yellow on it either. Does it not? I don't think it does. Huh. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But, it's th- things like that that you don't normally notice. Right. Yeah. But no, I just felt like the writing was really weak on this. I mean, the characters are all there. You know, and they've done some of the setup, but you miss some of the stuff I really like from the show. There's no Cat Grant in this first issue. It's fighting, uh, was it Rampage? Yeah, well, I mean, it yeah, is Rampage. also just like either a third or a half of a comic book, too. So True. You know, we're, we're really only getting the first third or half of a regular first issue. So I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it enough to keep, to, to keep going. It was only 99 cents, so I think I'm going to give it issue two. Because, like I said, more than half of this had to be spent doing setup. So yeah. maybe that's why it felt like it was so weak, because it was all setup. Well, so I will give it a second issue with you, Paul, and tell you what I think of it then. All right. But well, no, next, issue, did, next week, we'll talk about it then. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it like I thought I was going to. Well, speaking of things I didn't enjoy as much as I thought I was going to... <laughs> Hellboy Winter Special came out this week from Dark Horse Comics, and we rarely talk about Hellboy on the show because we're, we we read it in trade. Um, but, you know, with a, a one-shot coming out, and now that single issues are available from Dark Horse, and with a creative team of Mike Mignola, Tim Sale, Chris Roberson, Scott Alley, Chelsea Kane, Michael Avon-Oming, and more, under a cover by Tim Sale, it seemed like a no-brainer to go ahead and buy this book. And Aaron? I, I disagree. I liked it rather a lot. Uh, Did you really? Yeah, I the, didn't like that first story. Well, I think the reason why uh, – <laughs> of the four stories, right, Yes, I enjoyed three of them. Okay. Uh, I did not enjoy the fourth story, and we'll come to that in just a moment. Uh, <laughs> but the first story, I, I think the reason maybe why you didn't enjoy the first story, which is Broken Vessels, with a, which is a story by Mike Mignola and uh, Scott Alley with art by Tim Sale, um, is that Hellboy isn't in it. You know, and, and, and I, I find it highly amusing that, you know, we, we have all of this pomp and circumstance about, hey, Tim Sale is working on Hellboy. How fucking awesome is that? <laughs> well, it's a story in which Hellboy is not appeared, does not appear, Hellboy is not referenced, and none of his supporting cast is featured. It is a story completely independent of Hellboy, though it is set in the Hellboy universe. Um, but that said... I enjoyed it. I, 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 I thought it was it was appropriately spooky. Uh, I liked the visuals. Um, 
I dug it. I, I, I liked the story. For me, it, it felt like I didn't know what it was trying to tell me. Like, is this a reference to something else? Um, I, you know, it's just a, filling in the gaps of something, or, you know, a prequel to something that happens in the Hellboy book. I don't know. I think that it. I, I am not aware that it has happened previously in the Hellboy book, but it does feel like some of the uh, supporting stories that Mike Manola does to that he'll then collect in a, in a book that's all about the same thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, because, you know, this is the, the, this winter special is very much short stories. You know, there is not a lot of depth in any of this stuff. But I, the second story, Wandering Souls, I thought was beautifully told. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed that a hell of a lot. You know, I, it has uh, uh, it's the story of, of uh, Chinese laborers back in the day who were uh, who died on the job were killed on the job and then you know were buried you know anonymously and so their bones were never sent home and so uh, the their ghosts are haunting this site out in uh, oh gosh what is it was it Wisconsin something like that yeah. uh, Wyoming Wyoming, Wyoming. Uh, uh, practically the same thing it's one of yeah. those W states um, <laughs> but uh, I, I thought this was a great story I, I, it was you know lots of monsters uh, spooky you know Hellboy isn't really the solution <laughs> you know uh, I, I loved it you know and you even get to see a little Trevor Broom so uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it I enjoyed all of these with the exception of the fourth story which is uh, horrible it's called Kung Pao Lobster featuring uh, Lobster Johnson and it's very cartoony you know uh, drawn it's very much like Ren and Stimpy or something yeah and it's you know uh, story art and colors by Dean Rankin uh Boy, I hated every every bit of it, every yeah. bit of it. But I well, it's only the, two pages. Yeah, it's only two pages. But you know, my my hatred of it cannot be quantified by the number of pages. <laughs> so, but I, my favorite story was the third one, the, the Liz Johnson as a teenager story. That was, and I got to tell you, Paul, I'm so glad you brought that up. I had a laugh out loud moment in that. I mean, I, it caught me so by surprise. Um, now. This is one of those stories that is that is so well supported by reading it digitally, you know, particularly in the comicsology guided view. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the the lead up in the story, and it's it's a very teen friendly sort of of illustration. Um, and you know, it has teenage Liz Sherman. You know, for and those of you who uh, uh, might not be as familiar, she's the pyrokinetic in on the 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 Hellboy team, the Bureau of Paranormal Research Research and Defense, and you know she's not just a pyrokinetic; she has a really hard time controlling her powers, so she just sets shit on fire. It's Christmas, and you know she is all about the the giving and the getting of of, of presents, and so there's this great scene where she gives her presents to uh, Hellboy and and uh, Professor Broom. And so, you know, she, she she paints a rock with a smiley face for Professor Broom. And for Hellboy, she gives him some uh, reindeer antlers to wear on his head, right? And so they give, you know, uh, Professor Broom and Hellboy give her a gift. And keep in mind, you're reading this panel by panel if you're going through the guided view. And it says, for Liz, uh, XO, Professor B, and Hellboy. And so she she rips into the into the gift. You can see her smile in the anticipation of, of opening the the gift and you know revealing through the tissue what the gift is. And then you see the letdown on her face as she pulls back. And again, this is panel by panel. So I was completely surprised when this panel comes up, and it's a book that says puberty. 
A Young Lady's Guide to Mood Swings, Pimples, and Popularity. I died laughing. I, I'm i sorry. That was fucking hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, two guys, because essentially, you know, Professor Broom and Hellboy are raising Liz Sherman as a teenager. And you yeah. know, two guys who have no idea what, what little girls are going through. And then, of course, her thing is, you think I'm moody? And she loses her shit. I, I'm sorry. I thought this was just fantastic. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I other than the first story and the last, I, I like the two middle stories. Um, the art on the first story I enjoyed, but overall, if you're buying the book and trade, I don't know that this is enough to to bring you know to to pick up when it'll probably be collected in the trade. But I am glad I read it, just not as much as I thought I was going to be. <laughs> well, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. So talk to me about Jupiter's Circle, Aaron. Well, uh, you know, Wayne and I have been reading this and you know, have not had the opportunity to uh, hook up and talk about it on the mics. But, you know, I read uh, over the holidays, bought Jupiter's Legacy and uh, in a sale, I, p- I picked up Jupiter's Legacy, the first volume of Jupiter's Circle and have gotten current on Jupiter's Circle. And uh, Jupiter's Circle is very much uh, Mark Miller's take on the Justice League, right? Yeah. And it is a prequel to Jupiter's Legacy. So, like, the first series is set after everything goes bad, which I am kind of curious to see more of that world. But I'm enjoying seeing how it came about. Yeah. Jupiter's Legacy is kind of the kingdom come of uh, you know Justice League stories, uh, whereas Jupiter's Circle is like the 1950s era of superheroing. And I, I, I've thoroughly dig this book and you know there's kind of a, a real world sensibility about these guys very mad men the, the superheroes are standing around smoking which cracks me up <laughs> you know lots of cocktails and, and that kind of thing and it's it's, yeah. it's hard to quantify you know issue over issue but there is just such a wonderful tapestry of of a mix of pop culture and the superheroes and how they're idolized uh, and then you know how fallible they are as humans i i i really enjoy these books well and what I love about the current story arc, one of them has essentially gone bad and decided it was time to get us out of, uh, I think it was out of Vietnam. So he kidnaps the vice president. And they have this whole conversation about, well, why did he get the vice president instead of the president? Well, he didn't want to leave the country rudderless. I guess he's not all bad. <laughs> exactly. And it's kind of that back and forth about him that uh, I'm really enjoying because I like – the characters as they're kind of set up and it, uh, it definitely gives more of a feel to the original Jupiter's legacy where we saw these characters at their end to see kind of how they got there. So, you know, the, the artworks by Chris Sprouse and he just does a, you know, a fantastic job and, and, you know, really giving you a sense of the era and, you know, drawing these, you know, sort of, you know, silver age superheroes. Um, the, the, uh, you know what it kind of feels like to me, Aaron? It feels a little bit like some of the uh, books we read in the Before Watchmen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially having a, a character who's 
was hiding his homosexuality for a while. Yep. Well, and you, you have you, you get to see interactions like you know the the Mark Miller verse or uh, Mark Miller world version of Superman in this context is the Utopian, and you get to see him meet Anne Rand. And, you know, them have a discourse about, you know, what she thinks he stands for versus what he thinks he stands for. And, I mean, you don't get to see that kind of thing in comics all the time. And I just I, – I got a big kick out of it. Yeah, and in this particular issue, I loved his uh, thought process of, you know, oh, well, if you're only stealing things to pay for your kid, what if I give you money? Yeah, <laughs> and then there's the argument about you can't pay criminals not to steal things. <laughs> you know, uh, I, 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 again, thoroughly enjoy these books. And, you know, Image Comics puts stuff on sale all the time. Highly recommend the next time they have a 99-cent sale, go pick these up because they are fantastic. They're also worth full cover price, I should say, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of fantastic, I am really curious your feelings on Doctor Strange. Since now that uh, now that the Final Secret Wars has come out, you're getting caught up on all these books. Well, not all the books, but some of the books. So, you know, last week was Squadron Supreme. Uh, this week was Doctor Strange. So I, I, I picked up uh, all four issues that are currently out for Doctor Strange, which is uh, written by Jason Aaron and illustrated by Chris Bacalo. And I got to say, kind of fucking dig this book. Isn't it awesome? Uh, it really is. It is a, a, a wildly different take on Doctor Strange. Um, you know, every aspect of Doctor Strange is kind of turned on its ear. And, and like Jason Aaron's does, uh, kind of turns it up to 11. You know, there is certainly a very, you know, metal sense to this book. And I, that, that's kind of a flavor that Jason Aaron's brings to a lot of what he's working on. This book uh, walks hand in hand with his take on Thor. Um, you know, really just, you know, if you if you enjoyed his spin on Thor, whether it be, you know, uh, current Lady Thor versus uh, original Guy Thor, uh, you're going to dig this book because it really makes you think. I, I got to tell you, what, Paul, one of the things that I have enjoyed the most about this book is his take on the Sanctum Sanctorum. Yes. I mean, you know, just how every every aspect of the house is is just dripping in magic and uh you know, don't open that book and and for God's sake don't look in my refrigerator, you know. Yeah. And, then, and and you know, you 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 know, we used to read Doctor Strange and it was just him casting spells and yada yada yada. Well, this very much takes it from the tack that every time and they use the phrase every time you throw a punch there's a cost, right? So yeah. if you if you hit somebody in the face, you're going to hurt your hand, right? Um, if you cast a spell, there's a cost that you pay, be it physically, spiritually, whatever. And, you know, the cost to Dr. Strange is, I mean, he's got ulcers, he's sick. I mean, he's just all these different things. And watching Wong cook for him is one of the most horrible things you'll ever see. (laughs) (laughs) Especially with Chris Bacalo art. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I, I gotta tell you, this this book is fantastic. I just in the first issue, the opening pages of the exorcism that he performs uh, is fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. When you get deeper in, I think it's book uh, book two or three, the woman with the mouths in her head. Yeah, I mean, t- I mean that's just freaky shit. I mean, uh, I don't know what the dynamic is. I don't know if Jason Aaron's goes, hey, I'm thinking about a mouth on the top of her head. And then Chris Bacala just goes apeshit with it. I don't know how that works. But whatever those guys are doing, they are so keenly matched to tell this awesome supernatural kind of story. 
I agree. I, I love the bar, which seems like a slice out of uh, uh, the the Harry Dresden books, where all the sorcerers meet up and drink. Mm. You know, and, and I gotta say, Paul, I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm so far. I really have only read two uh, books uh, post Secret Wars in the Marvel Universe that aren't Star Wars books, and that's Squadron Supreme and Doctor Strange. But the Scarlet Witch is now and a Vision. Oh yeah, and the Vision. Um, so. Scarlet Witch is a full-blown magic user now. She's not just throwing her mutant hex powers. I am unfamiliar. I don't know. Because okay. uh, I don't know what other books she's in, but I'm not picking up any of them if, if she's okay. in another book. So that was surprising to me. But, you know, we get to see Brother Voodoo and a whole host of other uh, uh, magic users. A couple of things. Um, there is... <laughs> I, being a and d purist as I am, uh, it mm. always bothers me to see a wizard using a sword, uh, even though I know that it's it's keenly appropriate, you know, post Lord of the Rings. But it, you know, it's not something you do in D and D books. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say my only gripe about this, and it's minor, Paul. My mm. only gripe about it is that it seems cut very much from the cloth of what led up to the Secret Wars. Um, you know, you have this. Uh, outside of the universe, uh, powerful entity or, uh, you know, race or nationality, military, whatever you want to call it, that is moving through the dimensions, killing everybody off, right? Yeah. Um, and that seems so much like what we saw from the Beyonders in the Hickman Avengers books. And I'm just like, you know, I, I mean, I understand it's a story device and we're raising the stakes, but to see that kind of destruction just seems a, a whole lot like it's cut from the same cloth. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think the story itself is rather unoriginal. Yeah. Um, you know, in that, how many times have we seen someone's going through alternate universes and killing every version of me? Because that's essentially what this is. Yeah. Someone is going through every universe and killing all the Sorcerer Supremes. That being said, it's the way it's told. No, you're absolutely that, right. uh that I, that I connect with because it's... There are so many unique visuals and unique ideas right. that the overarching story is almost unimportant. Well, and I will say it's nice to see, you know, we're four issues into a new Doctor Strange series, and you've seen no mention of Dormammu. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you've seen really no mention of any of his, you know, like Nightmare. You know, you've not seen yeah. any of his uh, his rogues gallery. I mean, which, it'll happen. Yeah, which, but but it's nice. It's nice yeah. that that you know, it's like every time they tell a goddamn Moon Knight story, you know, you have to bring in Bushman. Yeah, and I mean, in the first issue, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and that drives me crazy. You know? But uh, you know, I think this is what Jason Aaron does. Remember, he had that God Killer or God Bomb, right. um, you know, arc on on Thor, and uh, you know, I think he he starts with something fresh before he reintroduces some of the older villains. I'm I'm loving Doctor Strange. It's my favorite book out from Marvel right now. It's a strong and, uh, book. It's a strong book. I think I think the trick will be to keep it from getting wrapped up into a bunch of other Marvel crap. Yeah, my concern is eventually is it going to get wrapped up in Secret War? Is it going to get wrapped up in in something else? That being said, Jason Aaron, his Thor book has managed to stay out of you know the Secret War stuff and uh, you know as, as we built up to it, um, you know until everything got cut off for secret wars right. he he managed to stay out of of the crossovers and stuff so my hope is that dr strange will will be self-contained yeah i gotta tell you that the, the dialogue in the book is crisp and fresh reminds me very much of an aaron sorkin script uh in the yeah. way that the characters are voiced I, I it's just i have with the exception of what i just stated no complaints about this book whatsoever 
So I'm noticing post-Secret Wars, too. Doctor Strange is appearing all over the place. Well, he has a movie coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> probably the case. Yeah, because he's in... He's appeared in Iron Man as a backup character. He's appeared over in uh, Extraordinary X-Men. And he's just, anytime there's anything mystical, he's popping up just as a consultant. Yeah. And I'm fine with that, as long as they're not crossovers. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to have to buy another book to read. Yeah, and that's going to happen. It's going to happen. I just, I, you know, don't do it soon. Well, I love how he's being used in all these other books. He is the the reference, the resource. What I find Everyone knows when something weird magical happens, you call him up and you ask your question. What I find interesting is that I thoroughly enjoyed Bendis' take on Doctor Strange and the Avengers, right? I mean, I, I did. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Hickman's take on Doctor Strange. Uh, and so it surprises me to find Jason Aaron has such a fresh take on him when I enjoyed these other guys. You know, Doctor Strange has always been one of those characters. Could he sustain his own book? Absolutely, with a writer like Jason Aaron. Exactly. Yeah. So great stuff. Highly recommend it. This is and I will say, you know, uh, I am approaching all of these Marvel books that I'm reading now with with a rather, uh, you know, questioning eye and you know dubious and ready to say, meh, you know, because I'm really not looking to add more books. To be perfectly honest, I would like to minimize books right now. But, uh, you know, I certainly want to read quality like this. So uh, a big thumbs up. You can't lose reading this book. So, Paul, Wayne, talk to me about Cry Havoc. Go ahead, Paul, because I picked this up because uh, you were reading it and you read a, a book for me last week. So, well, I wasn't think of this book, Paul. So I picked this book up because Newsarama gave it a ten out of ten, and I sent out the the. Um, so this is a new book from Image Comics, written by Simon Spurrier, art by Ryan Kelly, and it's a werewolf book. And so I, uh, what I did. After reading their review on Newsroom, they gave it a 10 out of 10. I'm like, 10 out of 10? That's that's pretty damn solid. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I mean, you know, we're always talking about trying to branch out from the big two and, and pick up some new books. So I thought, why the hell not? This is why the hell not. This book. This book sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and not that yeah. I mean, we, have, we have talked about books outside of the big two in this episode that we enjoyed. This is not one of them. Yeah, I... I had no idea what I was getting into when I picked this one up because I, I had saw the uh, the picture of it. I kind of looked through the art and I didn't hate the art. I didn't love the art, but it wasn't one of those. It wasn't overly stylized, so it didn't really push me off. But the book was just boring. Yeah, it just didn't have a. I mean, so it jumps back and forth in time, which is not normally an issue with me. But well, it just know, didn't really work well with that. Like, I'm good with jumping between two points. This jumps between three or four different points in time. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it gets complicated and gets uh, difficult to get into and enjoy. When you read one page and then you're jumping and you have to figure out, okay, which of the four points in time am I at now? Yeah, I agree. It's it's For me, it was, it was not an interesting book with not interesting characters and not an interesting concept. Um, and and <laughs> I mean, there was there was nothing I enjoyed about this book. Um, yeah, I mean, if any of the characters would have won me over, I would have been willing to give it a second issue just to see the character. But none of the characters were had enough personality to care about. Yeah, it, it's very much told like um, 
you know, I, I, I once I saw there were soldiers and werewolves, I was kind of thinking maybe it was going to be like that movie Dog Soldiers, which I really liked. But it's really not. It's kind of like these werewolves are it's really not even explained. There is some type of military unit that are, that's made up of these werewolf characters, but none of them are generally likable, um, including the lead. So I just, I'm out Wayne. I mean, I, and I apologize for, for trying, but that being said, it's not like I read it and said it was good. Yeah. The only thing, (laughs) so the only thing I can think for why they would give it such a positive review is because there is a lesbian relationship that is treated right. It's not treated like it's anything special. It's not treated as a gimmick. It's just two characters that are, I guess they're in love. I mean, their relationship is pretty, uh, it's pretty weak in the book. But it's not treated like it's out of the ordinary. So maybe they gave it a higher review for pandering or for not pandering. I don't know. I'm looking for any reason why they could have given this a, a 10 out of 10, and I just – I can't find it. A 10. A 10 out of 10. That's Oof. crazy. Yeah. Well, oh, well. So so you guys may have talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I wasn't on, but uh, IDW is coming out with a new Micronauts book. We did not talk, talk about, about this. That? No, the new Micronauts book uh, written by someone popular, right? <laughs> Um, Cullen Bunn. Yes. No, we did not talk about it. Are you excited, Aaron? God, I got to tell you, I am just giddy with excitement. It comes out this spring. Um, with a new comic book day, actually. New comic book, or free yeah. comic book day. Um, it's going to have a uh, a ROM, our, our Micronauts uh, book. Yeah, and they're doing ROM as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Now, I'm not nearly as, as big of a ROM fan as I am a Micronauts fan, but this sounds fantastic. Um, the art with the teaser covers that they've released so far, they haven't given us any interiors, but the teaser covers look amazing. And so the art is by David Baldian. And uh, if you are unfamiliar with David Baldian, I believe he is the artist on Kanan. Oh, okay. So, um, well, that's, 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 that's a strong, that's a strong, uh, penciler there. Yeah. Cause the Kanan artwork has been fantastic. I'm just I'm just as tickled as I can be, and the fact that we're gonna get that it sounds like we're gonna get a Micronauts movie. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited about that as well. Yeah, because you know they, they they are. I can't say I'm happy about this, but they're combining the Transformers G, not Transformers. It's the GI Joe, GI Joe, GI Joe Micronauts mask and something else. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure that I'm happy about the rest of that. But, hey, Micronauts is in it, which means I'm probably going to get some new toys. Wow. <laughs> I remember Mask very fondly, but I remember it because I've never gone back to rewatch it. <laughs> so I don't know if there's anything there at all. Yeah, I, I just I, – I, there have been a couple of uh, Micronauts books since Marvel had it. Uh, I remember the Devil's Due book, and I forget the uh, – oh, Image. And both of them were just terrible. They had some nice art. But the stories were just terrible, so I'm really hopeful that uh, they do something here. I think one of the challenges for me as a fan is that they won't be carrying over the Marvel story, because that was all Marvel. Marvel owns all of that. So what they'll be doing is they'll, they'll have the, the, the characters, the designs, 
and they'll have to create their own story to go with it, their own backstory, their own history, because those characters don't really come with the history from the toy line. You know, it's just you've you've got the 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 guy with a sword. Yeah. What's his backstory? So they'll have to create all that kind of stuff. So you know, I would expect like a Croyer is going to look different under the helmet once he takes the helmet off. He won't look like he looks over in the Marvel universe because that was a Marvel creation. Uh, you won't have the microverse because that's actually a Marvel creation. That's that's where. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of the Marvel supervillains come from. So, uh, I, anyway, I'm just I'm really excited and I'm really hopeful that we get to see some Michael Golden variant covers. Yes. Because while Michael Golden is a jackass, <laughs> man draws beautifully. Absolutely. And uh, I take back what I said. Baldian is not the artist on Kanan. He's done no. He's done some other great work at Marvel, um, including you know a run on Nova and uh, and books like that. But he is not the artist on Kanan. But I'm looking very forward to Micronauts, and I will be picking it up for with you when it comes out in, uh, is it May or June? Either May or June. I think it's May. So doesn't it come out somewhere around Free Comic Book Day? That is yeah. uh, May. April. Actually, it's in April. Uh, well, Free Comic Book Day is in May, but Micronauts number one is in April. Oh, very exciting. Well, I, I, I can't. Yeah, April 13th is Free Comic Book Day, looking at it. April 13th is Free Comic Book Day? Let me double check that It's here. not the first Saturday. No, it's May 7th. Is. Ah, okay. No, it's May seven. But uh, don't listen to anything we've said in the last fifteen minutes. It's yeah, we don't point. know what we're talking about. <laughs> I was seeing conflicting information uh, because I was looking at in-store day, and that's because the free comic book stuff shows up. Right. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. But what I did notice is that uh, the preview for Marvel's uh, book for Free Comic Book Day, the Civil War Two, has a bit of a spoiler in it. There uh, and this is the official spoiler warning. If anyone doesn't want to know anything about that, uh, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> the one of the stories in there is "Beware the Sting of the All New Wasp." Huh? No, I'm spoiled. Yeah. Why didn't you warn me, Tim, uh, Wayne? <laughs> Tim Wayne. <laughs> it, he's the amalgam of Tim and Wayne. He's to Wayne. <laughs> So that uh, the gold, uh, you know, alive again that we'd seen, because mm-hmm. I think there's going to be multiple characters that are alive again. The gold one is obviously going to be wasp related because there's a all new wasp in that uh, storyline. Well, you know what we should do next week? Uh, let's n- talk next week. Something for you guys to come back and listen to about the books that are coming out on free comic book day now that they've all been announced. Because uh, I have some thoughts to share. Radio. But next week in comic stores, there's uh, you know not a lot really coming out from DC Comics. Uh, new issues of Action Comics and, and a couple of other books. Uh, Action Comics continuing that Truth storyline that I'm I'm out on, but I, and I think a couple of you guys may be out on as well. From Marvel Comics, we have new issues of Amazing Spider-Man, um, Doctor Strange, Invincible Iron Man, Obi Wan and Anakin, and. Uh, the, the first issue of Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm really – I've been looking forward to that because I've missed Miles. We've gone about a month or maybe two months at this point without seeing him. Well, and you, you really didn't see him much in Secret Wars. Yeah. So, I mean, it feels like a very long time since we saw Miles Morales. And also next week we'll be talking about the new release, Justice League uh, – no, not Justice League at all. Uh, Batman Bad Blood. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. Yep, comes out Tuesday. 
And I think the week after, Spectre comes out on Blu-ray. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, hopefully next week uh, Tim will have sobered up. I mean, he'll be feeling better, <laughs> and uh, and you know, we'll have a full crew. Maybe. So join us right here next time on Funny Books Theron and Polly. But before you do that, don't forget we have our special contest regarding the Darth Vader collection. Darth, not Darth Vader. Darth Vader collection. <laughs> the Dietrich Paul <laughs> Tell. <laughs> the Dietrich Vader collection. That's right. Uh, Paul, tell them what they got to do to win. So to win, you just need to give us a call on the Ideology of Madness hotline, which is... 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. Leave us a voicemail about this week's episode or any of our previous episodes, or leave us a comment at ideologyofmadness.com, and you will be randomly entered to win the first volume of Star Wars Darth Vader from Marvel Comics. Awesome. All right, guys. Have a good week. All right, gentlemen. Catch you later. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Flesh tones, meet the flesh tones, they're a pornographic family.